0: Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
2: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Final week of the regular season is done. We got Championship Week to look forward to and the Inconsequential Cup, or whatever you want to call it, um, we have a lot to talk about and not a lot of time. So we'll try to get to it all right away. If you have a question, you can email us, Pactual at gmail.com. You can call or text us at four, two, four, five, three, two, zero, six, seven, eight. We got like four voicemails today, David. I think we got like seven or eight text messages, a bunch of emails. You can also tweet at us at Pactual podcast. The folks were asking when the episode was dropping. I said, we're, we're recording right now. So, um, we are doing that. The website's Pactual and you can go over to Reddit dot r i mean slash r slash podcast of champions to uh find us there in that community and we also love the apple podcasting app there if you could follow and rate us with five stars we really appreciate that we're not gonna read any reviews this week i'm sure they're hilarious i'm sure there's lots of them all five stars dave
0: all five stars we just can't get to it today it's gonna be a I mean, there there wasn't a whole lot that happened in the Pac-12 no. uh, over the last uh, week or so, um, so we are stretching a little bit, um, but uh, we've, we've got a tight timeline today, real tight.
2: We have a time, <laughs> I know, and it's kind of crazy. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to thank our sponsor, my bookie. Oh man, I was so close this week, David. I had all these bets that were good. I was uh, I, I was winning in, on most of my bets, and I put a big one on USC. Did not cover. Uh, they actually played okay against BYU. And I had a, I had a parlay. I was doing it. I put it all in on that one. So I got, took a little bit of a bath this week, but I go over to my bookie. Um, it's a, uh, it's a great place to go and, and make your bets. We've been doing it here on the podcast for champions for a while. If you use the promo code pack 12 at my bookie, they will match your first deposit immediately. It's going to double it all the way up to a thousand dollars. So that's a quick turnaround for your investment. The NFL playoff race is heating up. And of course, college football bowl season around the quarter. we got championship week this weekend. You can double your firepower at MyBookie and get your action on the most important games of the season. You can build your own props, like I did one last uh, last week. Create multiplayer uh, game parlays and take part in the ho- uh, in a host of mybookie.ag cash prize contests. So it's the best time of the year to watch and bet on sports because you you don't know who the winners are, but you're going to have a good feeling for whatever you watch by now. So don't miss out. Double your first deposit by using promo code. Pack 12 and keep your eyes peeled for exclusive holiday promos coming soon from mybookie.ag. Bet anything anytime anywhere with mybookie. Yeah, you finally made up some ground this week. I did. Uh yeah, so real quick our picks, uh I was 4 and 3 and Dave was 2 and 5. So we only had two different and I end up getting uh both of those right. But yeah, I I was uh man, talking to the guys over at the uh Pack of Apostles podcast and I, I liked the, the over that he gave me the over on the Arizona game, the Arizona, Arizona state game. And it was over by like a half a point. I was like, whew, I sweated out. I put, uh, I had Washington state, the Arizona, Arizona state over and then USC, I mean, uh, BYU, but BYU did not cover the seven. So wah, wah, it was a pretty wah, good, wah, wah, for me. Wah, I don't know wah. it's been fun. I'm still up in the, in the, uh, in my, my bookie account, but it would have been a really big one this week if those things would have hit. Um, okay. We got to get some, uh, Breaking news. Uh, biggest news in the conference we've seen in a while. Washington State. Dar- Darren uh, Schifarini fired. <laughs> I was gonna put it, Jake Dickert promoted. Well, for like, yeah, <laughs> Darren Schifarini was fired by Colorado. Duh. Like, you got to do that. Jake promoted, uh, Dickert promoted. Dickert uh, promoted. It was a cool video if you got to see it uh, at Washington State. So I think that's a really good fit there. That's uh, almost well,
0: as big of a duh. I mean, honestly, I think that was that was the obvious choice after how they performed over the back half of the year. Um, seemed energized, seemed committed, and uh, that defense was uh, was a big part of it. So yeah, that one makes a ton of sense too.
2: I love. And it seemed like if you watch the video, like I mean, everyone just seemed really excited. So that 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 works out that way. You get an interim coach, and he just kills it. And uh, great for him, and great for Washington State. Kalen DeBoer goes from Fresno to UW, uh, looks like they were kicking the tires with Matt Campbell, along with USC. There's a bunch of rumors and things going on. Um, but I like the DeBoer thing. And we just found out this is we're recording this th- Thursday, uh, morning, afternoon. Um, Jake Hayner had entered the transfer portal. Didn't say, I guess he did a interview with the Seattle times. He said, you know, I know Wilner was reporting. He's going to go to Washington and return. So you got another Jake there. You got to have a Jake quarterback. But he said, at least to the Seattle times, I believe it was that uh, he hasn't made any decisions yet. So uh, what do you think about Kalen DeBoer going to Washington?
0: I I think it's a fantastic hire. Uh, I think UW did what they needed to do. Um, I don't think they were going to be in the market for what uh, we'll talk about in just a second, what some other uh, schools were doing um, in terms of poaching, sitting uh, head coaches of other Power 5 elite jobs. Uh, This is the next best thing. I think DeBoer has shown himself – at the NAIA level, and then also at Fresno State, that he's a gifted coach. Um, He's got really good um, offensive background. Um, He's got the Jeff Tedford stamp of approval, which I think is huge. Um, I think he checks a lot of boxes. I think he's going to, um, and I think he mentioned this in his opening press conference, but I think he's going to not turn this into a full rebuild he's going to try to use what's there use what's in place because that's still a talented program there's still a lot of talent from the peterson years just hanging out um you know languishing under jimmy lake but i think deborah the kind of guy who could immediately turn that into next year eight and four nine and three again and then potentially back into um you know conference title contention within a couple years
2: i can guarantee you they're not going to score seven points against an fcs squad anymore
0: so yes that's... that will not happen
2: um, but how crazy is it that this was an Apple Cup, and we'll talk about the games, it was an Apple Cup that featured two interim head coaches, both previous head coaches, Jimmy Lake, uh, Nick Rolovich, never coached in an Apple Cup in their career.
0: <laughs> I know, it's insane. <laughs> like, just it's insane. crazy. Yeah, it's completely uh, crazy. Um, but it's the circumstances, and it was, uh, and, uh, you know, Jake Dickert is now uh, 1-0 in the Apple Cup.
2: Yeah. Uh, good for him. All right, so yeah, and Washington State hasn't won a whole lot of. Was those there things. any other news though? Okay, so there's this other one. I wish I had like some like Death Star music or
0: something. Yeah, uh, no, the, the 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 Battle Station is fully. Dun,
2: dun, dun, okay, Lincoln Riley, <laughs> USC's new head coach, uh, formerly of Oklahoma. I don't know, you might have heard of his resume. Like uh-huh, five years, uh-huh. five years Oklahoma, three trips to the college football playoff, two Heisman winners. I Pause, guess that's okay.
0: Just- Pause, because does anyone else out there realize just how obnoxious this show is going to be going forward? Like, I want everyone to understand that they should just turn this off now. We have a question. Never listen again. Don't do it, because it's going to be so like when I do the like, oh, UCLA is going to be good thing. It's like sweet. It's cute because they're never going to be good. Like, obviously, you know that we all know that. When Ryan's gonna be talking about good USC with Lincoln Riley, do you have any idea how irritating that is gonna be to you, the people? Even you USC fans are gonna be like, "Wow, this is a little insufferable." Like, it's not gonna be good listening. I'm just we letting a, you we, know.
2: We have a voice. I mean, an email about that uh, for sure. Um, and it's you know, it's different than UCLA being good at basketball because, yeah, this is this is probably not gonna be pretty. This is gonna be a bloodbath, Dave. I don't know what to say.
0: Okay. I, you know. All right. So I'll, 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 I'll. All right. So Lincoln Riley. Um, yeah. Uh, so you could make an argument. I think a fair one that he's the most innovative offensive coach going in college football right now. Um, his offense is not an air raid though. If you want to continue you, the people denigrating it as an air raid that's going to make USC soft. That's fine. I'll even make those jokes myself, but it's not, it's like a run oriented spread largely. Um, he's really, really good. Like his offense is really good. Um, And, uh, he's a maniac recruiter by all accounts. He's in Norman, Oklahoma, and he was recruiting Southern California better than probably either USC or UCLA the last couple of years. Uh, now that he's probably
2: definitely better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now he's in Southern California. Um, he's going to bring that same level of mania. He's also 38, which means he has like, I don't know, 30 more years of coaching. (laughs) So you've got to really hope that he wants to go to the NFL pretty soon. Um, it could not work out. Lots of things could not work out, but this is as close to a slam dunk as, uh, any hire could be. Um, it's maybe, I was talking about this with Tracy on the broadcast yesterday. It's maybe literally the best hire anyone has ever made in college football at the time of hire, like from, for what it was, which was hiring from an elite, like all time power in college football to another elite all time power in college football with the kind of resume that Riley already has. Um, and then on, on on top of all of that, um, for USC, I mean, I, I think everyone makes the argument, well, USC always recruits well. And that's true to an extent. I mean, Clay Helton tested the depths of that, but it is true to an extent that USC will always pretty much recruit well. But there's a difference between recruiting well and recruiting at the level that Riley is more than likely going to recruit. There's a difference essentially between top 15, top 10, and top five, top three, That's like a difference of a couple of five stars every single cycle. That adds up. I mean, we all bore witness to the Pete Carroll Death Star uh, in the mid-2000s, largely built on elite, elite, elite elite-level recruiting, Um, multiple number one classes. That's the kind of stuff you have to be fearful of with Riley at USC. Um, And yeah, you can make the argument, oh, it's just one game on the schedule or whatever, It's going to have ramifications and impacts for all through the the entire league. Yes. Some of them positive in terms of exposure and college football playoff berths and that sort of stuff. And a lot of it negative, um, because it's going to, it's going to, um, suck up a lot of that West coast talent that even was staying within the footprint, like Oregon, you actually have to deal with, um, another, another school recruiting at that level or higher, um, you know, Washington, you're no longer going to be able to poach, uh, certain California kids. It's, it's a major problem. Um, and I think the people who are downplaying it are, um, you know, going through various levels of grief, various stages of it.
2: I've always advocated that, like, you know, I do think it's a bonus for the PAC 12. I think George Klayoff is very happy, but I, when I saw the Pete Carroll
0: stuff happening, so so, just be very clear. It's a bonus to the Pac-12 as an organization. It is not a bonus to the rest of the schools in the league, except in the actual monetary value it'll bring in in the CFP. It's going to be a negative for the schools in the league who actually want to win games because it's going to be another loss on their schedule many years.
2: Yeah, Potentially. But I I would say what I saw in the late 90s, if you remember like guys from De La Salle and modern day, they were going to like Miami and Florida State and all that kind of stuff. And Pete Carroll sort of made it cool to stay on the West Coast. I think that's if you're a Pac-12 fan, you want USC to keep some of those high five-star guys, and maybe more of the other guys are going to stay local too. Um, you know, it's probably going to have the biggest impact on Oregon because they were recruiting Southern California, picking out some of those five-star guys. Does a Kayvon Thibodeau end up at Oregon if Lincoln Riley's head coach? You're like probably not. You know, I mean, there's things like that. Um, Does
0: Bryce but, Young end up at Alabama if uh, if no, Lincoln Riley's head hell coach? Hell no. No, Yeah. Exactly. it's not,
2: or they're, they're getting at least one of Bryce Brown or CJ Stroud. I mean, right. uh, Yeah. So like, yeah. And right now it's funny. I'm going to watch this. So USC, so they basically, and you were talking about USC recruits itself. They've cut most of the recruiting class already. They're like, yeah, these guys aren't good enough. So we're not, we're getting rid of them. They're down to four commitments for 2020 signing period. As we're recording, this is in 13 days. They're 104th in the country, 12th in the (laughs) back 12th.
0: Um, yeah, you you only have to probably uh, finish
2: in the top 15, like you only have to read 13 days.
0: Greg Biggins posts on your board to understand that they are going to finish with a top 15 class at least. Yeah. Um, it's going to be like the,
2: the, maybe the biggest turnaround we've ever seen. Like they're it's literally 104th in the country right now. And it'll probably be like 12 or something. I I don't know. We'll see, but yeah, it's, I mean, obviously big impact. We have a lot of questions on it, so we can probably address more of that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's definitely talk more about USC later. Yeah.
2: Do, I, I mean I there's definitely, a lot. I definitely, of... want,
0: I definitely want to talk more about USC and the budding Death Star. Hey, day. but
2: the, the UCLA basketball teams, you know, they'll probably make the Sweet Sixteen again or something. Isn't that good? Like that's that's See, positive. this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> you out there the people. You did you just hear that comment? It's gonna be nonstop. It's gonna be constant. And just turn it off now. I'm telling you. I did hear USC was down to now. It was
2: Lincoln Riley and uh, Clancy Pendergast. They were going back and forth, like the Super Bowl appearance versus all those, you know, uh-huh. Heisman trophies. Uh-huh. Um, you almost got your wish, though. They almost got Pendergast, but they ended up with uh, with Lincoln uh-huh. Riley. Okay. Hey, good news for the Pac-12. Jane Daniels is gonna be back, and he's gonna be back with Arizona State. So he's not like going to UCLA or something. I mean, he's he's staying at ASU. Is that a big deal?
0: Yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah, they got a... They got to support him better. Um, he's regressed. I think every single year he's been there. Um, so I think uh, you know um, whatever they're doing offensively wasn't really working. So hopefully he and Zach Hill can get on the better get on the same page a little bit better next year. But yeah, I mean it's good for them. They don't have to replace a quarterback.
2: Um, did you say Helton or Herm? I think you might say what? Hel- I think you said him and Helton have to be on the same page. Oh Hill, Zach Hill. Oh Hill, I'm sorry about that. Okay. Um, they do lose uh, Rashad White. He's going to skip the bowl game and begin uh, NFL smart, draft
0: prep. Smart, smart man. Good yeah. job. Yeah, you you were awesome. You were fun to watch. Enjoy the NFL. I tried to write some other ones
2: down. I I, I know I've, I'm forgetting some other ones. Guys that are staying or in the portal and stuff. Was there anything that stuck out to you? Um, Remember any other ones?
0: No, I was mostly paying attention to UCLA. They were losing like guys who might have broken the two deep this year, but not really. They lost their starting punter. The portal. Oh. Interesting. Um, but no, I mean, nothing really jumped out to me.
2: Okay. Well, I did the power rankings. I don't know if you even looked at them, but uh, if you don't no, like no, no, them, no. I'm sorry. Um, but let's go through them. We'll go through the games. We actually had seven games this week, too. So it's even a little crazier. Uh, first up, we had Stanford
1: Cardinal. <laughs>
2: and they were hosting uh, Notre Dame Fighting the, Irish. The
0: Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um. Yeah, Notre Dame in uh, Brian Kelly's swan song put the pasting to Stanford, Uh, beat the living hell out of them. I did feel like Stanford was moving the ball generally better in this one. It seemed like everyone every time I turned it on, Stanford was like they had the ball and they were like looking a little bit OK. But then I look at the stats and they were not they were not good. No explosive <laughs> plays whatsoever. Um. But uh, Notre Dame just uh, they look like I mean. They shouldn't make the playoff over Cincinnati. But if things no. go really weird this uh, weekend with the conference championship games, they actually look like one of the better Notre Dame teams from the last, I don't know, from the Brian Kelly era, which is now over. Um, Brian Kelly, as just as an aside, uh, p- complete scum, absolute horrible person, uh, awful man um, in many ways. Uh, but what he did this weekend kind of par for the course. I think a lot of the histrionics about him leaving Notre Dame for LSU or just, you know, whatever. He's a guy who wanted to go make some more money and potentially get a sick retirement gig. And uh, while also winning at probably a higher level. So I don't hate the move. Uh, I just hate him. Cause he's an awful person. Yeah.
2: Um, he just puts a beat down on Stanford and then takes off. <laughs> well, and that's much. the thing
0: It's like, th- this is where it gets absurd because this is Oklahoma. Wasn't going to be a playoff team this year. Notre Dame might be. Yeah, Notre Dame has a, has a, I would say not even like an, a really outside chance. It's like two things break right this weekend and they're in the playoff.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was I talked to Brandon Sosna, the chief of staff at USC, and he was pacing in the you know, when USC's playing BYU pregame, it's the um Bedlam game. He's pacing because he knows they're gonna try to get Lincoln Riley. But if they win that game, if Oklahoma wins, um there, he's definitely not gonna be the head coach right now. He you might have to you wait after the Pac 12 champ, I mean they a big T- twelve championship game, and that might not happen at all. So um just weird the way the ball bounces. But th- that was a weird one. And and I think just LSU wanted to get Lincoln Riley. He ends up at USC, so they still want to go big game hunting and and they get they get uh Brian Kelly, but it's weird. Um Stanford's butt. We know this big I'm asshole. I'm, yeah. Big, big butt. Like the worst team in the Pac twelve. We have a voicemail. Um, can I play play it right now? I know it's a little unorthodox, but this is going to be entertaining for everyone. we have the Zodiac killer's back, everybody. Uh, and he's finally, uh, eating a little crow. Here you go. Well, well, well. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Sith
3: Lord, Dave. Yeah, that's right. It's me here to lay the proverbial golden fiddle right at the ground of Ryan's feet. Because Stanford is butt and I cannot lie. You other teams can't deny when Shaw walks in with a punt to waste and a plus field in your face, you get sprung when I pull up tough. cause you notice that punt was muffed deep in the schemes he's wearing? You're hooked and you can't stop staring. Oh, baby, I got to get with ya and take your picture. You boys tried to warn me, but that Stanford D makes. Oh, he's horny. Uh, <laughs> Zodiac out. Oh. One more thing. Which division, north or south, turned out to be the strongest one, team for team? Mixed logic answers only. Zodiac out.
1: Keep it mediocre, boys. How good is that?
0: That was beautiful. I loved every minute of it. Um, Okay, well, he had an official question there at the end. Yeah. Which, Which division turned out better? North. I think that's correct. Yeah. I think that's right.
2: Yeah, uh, even with Stanford yeah. dragging them down, like like that's the only thing, yeah, you know, that's the only you know, problem. You know, what? no no no.
0: I'm going to base it entirely on this weekend. Not Utah, Oregon. No, 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 sir. I'm going to base it on the fourth place teams in each division. Okay. California versus USC. Who wins that game is going to determine the answer for me.
2: Oh, I like it. All right. So there's it, your
0: mixed logic right there. It's not going to be inconsequential.
2: It'll be it'll determine the best division. I'm with you, man. I like it. Thanks uh, Zodiac Killer. We were waiting for you. And you know, we expected something good and we got it. So he delivered. Very cool. Okay. Uh let's go to the territorial cup. We have number eleven.
0: Arizona Wildcats.
2: I got him up at number six.
0: Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> you know, this this one was potentially gonna be competitive. Like it really was. Um, uh, but turnovers killed Arizona. Um uh, but they uh, so Arizona State ended up winning 38-15. They covered. Uh, it was a 20-point spread, and they covered. Um, but, I mean, Arizona was, I mean, Will Plummer moving the ball okay. Um, but he threw a bad pick. Um, they didn't run the ball particularly great. And ASU uh, really chopped through this entire defense. Uh, this is one of the better offensive performances for ASU this year, Probably. Um, despite their usual number of insane penalties, I think uh, the two teams combined for over 200 yards in penalties in this game, which, you know, not so great. Uh, but ASU had 314 yards. Uh, they had 228 of them on the ground. Um, so getting getting that level of production on the ground, I think, was huge, um, which is why I'm calling it their better offensive games, even with Jaden Daniels not necessarily doing a whole lot through the air.
2: Yeah, Arizona outgained Arizona State. Um, we both, I think we both got this wrong, right? We both had Arizona plus, uh, it was plus 20, I think. And, uh, yeah, didn't work. Uh, didn't work out. Or, yeah. Yeah. Plus 20 Arizona had more yards, but you know, they didn't, uh, they weren't able, they threw a pick, they lost a fumble. Um, they held the ball for like 10 minutes more than ASU, but still with all that, and he still weren't able to keep it within 20 points. That's uh, if you would have told me all those things like Arizona gets more yards couple turnovers but you know they possess the ball 10 minutes longer than Arizona State I'm like okay they'll keep it with a 20 nope they did not
0: yeah they need they need a couple more playmakers because Arizona's actually like been able to hold on to the ball when they've been when they've been competitive in games they've been able to hold on to the ball and have like relative efficiency they just don't get big plays um and I think that's got to be something that gets figured out next year but they also just make a ton of mistakes just a lot of penalties a lot of turnovers um But there's there's something to be like hopeful for there, because even with the lack of talent and even with all those mistakes, they have been like this was a competitive game at halftime. Um, It really only got non-competitive pretty late. Um, So, you know, I mean, I I mean, at halftime, uh, I think Wilner (laughs) Wilner's tweet was great because all the ASU fans were like, no, that's not true. He tweeted out. Uh, Arizona leads nine to 14 because that was the feel of this game. Um, and then it just got away from them in the second half because of all the mistakes. But um, they they looked competitive in so many games this year. Um, and I think yeah. next year they just have to be competitive throughout games more than they were this year. Um, but, the, you know, in the way that like a lot of coaches who have like really bad seasons say we're close, we're close. I think Jed Fish can actually say that without feeling ridiculous, because even at one and eleven, one and eight. They were close in a lot of games. They were competitive in a lot of games. And it was just really just like snowballs, um, you know, things just snowballed at a certain point because of, uh, you know, mistakes.
2: Yeah. I mean, ASU had, what, five touchdowns in this one and Arizona had one and like three field goals. It's just like, you know, it was like three points, six points, six points. And Arizona, Arizona State was like seven, seven, 17, seven. Yeah. So it just. Didn't go their way, um, but they, like you said, I think they're more competitive. We have them ahead of uh, Stanford, even though you know Stanford has a couple more wins. But one eleven, but the best one eleven team in the country, I can guarantee you that, David Woods. Absolutely. Okay, let's go our number ten team, Washington
1: Huskies.
2: They were hosting. It's our number three team. Oh, we got to play the good one. Washington State
0: Cougars. <laughs> wow um so not only did washington state break the streak but they did it in emphatic fashion beating washington 27 points in seattle 40 to 13 um oh was it that did close you, did you just, was it did that you close just, did, you just, <laughs> did you just hear the announcers i think sam huard just threw another interception <laughs> um that was a, that was a really sad watch um to see him kind of get his first meaningful time this year and then it should just be an absolute disaster um the picks were bad too. Like just, and it was clearly just a guy who's very green, uh, getting thrown into a tough spot in a really competitive game that, you know, both teams are like, you know, geared up for emotionally. And he just was not able to meet the, the level of play. Um, just, he just looked really bad. Um, and yeah, Washington could have served him better by probably getting him some time earlier in the year. Uh, but he was, he was a disaster out there and Jaden DeLora was excellent. Uh, he threw no touchdowns, but, um, Really, really efficient throwing the ball, making great decisions. Um, He's somebody was saying it on the broadcast, but he has an argument to be the best quarterback in the Pac-12 this year uh, after, you know, just kind of what he's done over the last half of the season, especially. Um, But he looked really good. Max Borgie had one of his better days of the season. Uh, They just put it to Washington um, and Washington's defense really wasn't able to hold up at all. Um, obviously their offense did nothing when they're throwing four interceptions, but, uh, the defense was not able to hold up at all. And the end result was a massive beatdown.
2: Yeah. Massive beatdown. uh, Sam here, the, you know, five-star quarterback, he gets the start sort like Dave said, through 47 picks, um, Washington state. And, and I agree with you just Delora, like he, I still, I think he's still leading the league in uh, touchdown passes. It's weird that he didn't get one. And this one, it was 13 7 at the end of the first half, and it just felt like Washington State was killing them. And I was like, I put a note in the only person stopping Washington State's offense was Michael Mothershed. You know, like he just, yes. like they were making all these calls against Washington State. Like, what? Like, it was just, it was almost like, okay, we're going to try to keep this close. And then they just really couldn't. Washington State also had, like, I think it was the end of the first half, they, uh, they didn't call timeout and the, the clock was running. Like, they had like a minute or something left to, like, score they just wasted a lot of time and it was this kind of weird clunky thing but in the second half you know just it sort of just settled in the way it should have gone the way you felt the first half should have went and washington state fans stormed the field in seattle oh, yeah. like how crazy that was, was that?
0: awesome storming an opposing field that was great it was like the beaches of normandy all over again yeah yeah uh
2: but uh good for the coogs we got to play that the cool Coug. Uh, Drop a lot uh, this season. You know, we have number three. You feel like that's a good spot for them in our power rankings?
0: I love it. I think it's perfect. I think it's exactly where they should be. All right. Next up, we have
2: our number nine team
0: Colorado Buffalo.
2: They were on the road for our number one team Utah Utes.
0: Yeah, so uh, another kind of strange game. Um, If you just looked at the yardage totals for this game, you would have assumed Utah won by approximately 150 points. Um, (laughs) We both
2: had Utah minus
0: 24. We were wrong. Right, And we're both very upset. Uh, Utah ended up winning comfortably 28-13. It was a lot closer than it should have been. Colorado ran the ball for 64 total yards and threw it for 84 total yards. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is the sum total of their offensive output. Uh, Utah outgained them either in passing or in rushing. Like, in total, Utah's passing attack of 179 yards outgained Colorado. And their rushing attack certainly of 265 yards outgained Colorado. Um, it was just, you know, kind of one of those weird games where, you know, Utah threw a pick, but also there was some just field position stuff going on. That let it be, you know, a closer game than it really needed to be. Um, this uh, Colorado was unable to really do much of anything offensively. Um, so it was just, it was a very strange game, um, one that pissed both of us off really bad because of Utah's inability to cover. But in the end, it was another. Uh, when you look at it, it was another dominant win for Utah. It was another of a string of dominant wins for Utah. I think they can take from this that yes, they are still that surging power from the back half of the Pac-12 season. Yeah,
2: they, they just didn't look like Utah. It didn't look like they had a sense of urgency here. They could win comfortably. They weren't going to push anything. Colorado had a special teams touchdown. So that's sort of like, oh, you try to cover a 24 point spread and you give up a special teams touchdown. Not always easy to do. There were also a couple of failed fourth and ones where Utah would have scored and did not. And, you know, like you move the ball, you move the ball, you move the ball, and then you don't score in the fourth and one. But Colorado's not going anywhere anyway. It just kind of wastes time. You don't put up points and Colorado's not going to put up points. So it's sort of just like, yeah, you, you're kind of keeping your little brother at bay with the outstretched arm. Right. And uh, it didn't matter how bad you beat him up and Utah didn't beat him up that bad, even though it should have been worse. So this was one of those ones where Utah covered easily the previous week and uh, did not cover in this one, but you, you could see this one coming, you know, it's a big spread. And if things, you know, a few things go Colorado's way, Utah's not going to like go out of their way to try to win by 30. Right. Yeah. Which is basically what happened here. Okay. Uh, our number eight team, USC Trojans. They were taking on uh, Pac-12 South or Pac-12 champion BYU Cougars, five zero with Pac-12. Crazy. Oh yeah, totally nuts. Um, USC semi-competitive. They played pretty good. They what are better games? I would say.
0: Yeah. I mean. Um, all together, maybe. Mad. Yeah, mad. I mean, it should make you mad. I mean, defensively, is still bad, right? Let's we'll still call them bad defensively.
2: But it was bad. Like, they swarmed to the ball more. Like, they weren't. So when you saw a UCLA game, like, it was. They were struggling to get to third down. Like, it wasn't. UCLA was converting a lot of third downs. They weren't even getting the third downs. This was like you pushed BYU a little bit to
0: like. Okay, ha- okay, cool. got it, yeah. got it, got it. So very, very cool. We're judging relatively now. So like right. relative to the UCLA performance, where USC's defense was a turnstile, this was only bad. It wasn't horrible. It was bad. It wasn't but... absolutely horrifying. It right. wasn't something that you couldn't look away from because it was so much like the carpet. <laughs>
2: exactly
0: got it okay well in that in that realm yes this was a better defensive performance it was not good by any stretch of the imagination but at no. least forced a couple of turnovers uh offensively though i think this was a step in the right direction for jackson dart um i thought he looked a lot more comfortable than he did in the ucla game and running the ball you know it was nice to see valve Malapei um uh, have a nice game because this is what probably his second to last game as a trojan is that right yeah yeah um
2: he's a captain, 6 year guy. They were kind of putting him in red zone most of the time. He had three touchdowns, I think against UCLA. Uh, but you know with uh Keonti Ingram out, they still ran the ball. Like they they actually pushed the, you know, pushed BYU around a little bit. I think they won in the trenches and stuff, but just you know, it's just a team that's a mess. They just played it was a much better looking mess than what we see <laughs> before
0: yeah and so i mean they finished the, the game was it was 35 31 and it felt like a 35 31 game um every time it seemed like byu was finally putting it together i mean this was 14 3 at one point it was 21 10 at one point it was 28 13 at one point usc would just start putting some drives together again like it was the most um one of the most resilient games i think i've seen from usc this year and i think that's you know, it doesn't matter because the leadership's going to be entirely different next year and the players are probably going to be largely different next year. I'm sure they're going to hit up the transfer portal a lot, and I'm sure some guys are going to be encouraged to transfer out. Um, but I, I think if you're a USC fan, at least they look like they had some fight in them. They, they at least looked like they were, uh, you know, really, really strongly trying the entire game, um, which I don't think has been the case for USC all season.
2: Yeah, a little bit of fight there. Really... Uh... It was pretty apparent late. You're like, BYU's not going to cover. I'm like, ugh, I had so many bets like based on this one. It's like really made me mad. But uh, whatever. Okay, so we'll move on from that. Um, USC still has one more. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the team they're going to play, actually, we'll talk about right now. The number seven team. California Golden Bears. They were uh, in the Rose Bowl. Taking on the number five team.
0: UCLA Bruins. Okay, so... UCLA, um, I think we need to kind of um, re-imagine the last 10 quarters of football for UCLA because now it suddenly looks like this is a team that found its footing at the end of the season. Now, we've been fooled by this before with UCLA under Chip Kelly um, in years one and two, where they looked better at the end of the season than they did in the middle stretches. Uh, But once again, so since halftime of the Colorado game, UCLA, I think, has outscored its opponents by something over 90 points. Uh, wow. It's been an average of like four touchdowns, a little over four touchdowns per game. This was another one uh, just, uh, you know, blew California away. uh 42 14 uh, Cal Chase Garbers um, looked like early season disaster. Chase Garbers in this one because of all the pressure UCLA was putting on him. Um, he was taking bad checkdowns, but also he was making poor decisions in the run game, often just running out of bounds after a yard rather than trying to stick it, you know, for five or six yards up the middle. Um, just, I, I think the defense was really the story, especially middle of the second quarter on. And, and frankly, seven of these points came on an extremely short field because of a fumbled, um, kickoff return. Um, they, they shut down this entire California offense, um, starting middle of the second quarter on. And UCLA offensively, I think it was, again, a really, really good game from Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He wasn't as explosive as he was against USC, but he was really efficient. um, And the game plan was much more to attack laterally rather than to go with these big vertical shots like it was against USC. Um, And he executed it really well. Um, And even with his stats, there was one missed throw to uh, Kaz Allen. Where it literally just went through his hands on a deep post that would have been a touchdown. Um, and, you know, that would have changed the, the, the statistical outlook even more, but he also ran the ball extremely well in this game. Uh, Zach Charbonnet was running the ball very, very well up the middle. Um, and just kind of grinding efficiently. Um, but this was a, a comprehensive game. Um, one of probably one of their better wins of the season came in the 12th game. Um, you see how he finishes eight and four. Uh, six and three in the Pac 12. Clear improvement for Chip Kelly. Um, you know, obviously for me and for a lot of people, it's probably not enough to make up for the first three years, but I think for UCLA's administration, it's going to be.
2: Yeah. Bruins were minus seven. I got this one right. And Dave had Cal, which was, you know, always cool. Uh, yeah. Early on, like Cal, I think, cut it 10 seven. And then the UCLA fumbled the kickoff. And then Cal takes the lead. And I'm like, whoa, this is weird. But at that point, it's 14-10, uh, and UCLA scores 32 straight points. They had, a, I think, Cal had a first and goal, and uh, the UCLA defense had a goal line stand on fourth down. Really fired up the, the defense. Uh, Dolters had that amazing touchdown grab. Uh, so, yeah, UCLA played really well, especially, like you said, they, the second half, they just dominated. Uh, the good news, I mean, for the conference, you know, we had some big news, right, like Kalen DeBoer, Jake Dickert, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley. But the fact that we know that Chip Kelly is going to be around 8-4, like and, you know, eight and four, amazing turnaround that he made with this team. Uh, he's going to be around a long time in Westwood. So it's good to see. It's good for the conference. You need that stability. Hopefully there will be some sort of uh, Martin Jarmond will sign him to a long extension in the offseason. And uh, you'll have a lot of stability over there in Westwood. So good to hear that. and Good to see that.
0: Yeah, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate all <laughs> of your um, love and support in this time. <laughs> Wait, It's very tumultuous time. Is there, um,
2: is there some irony in any of this or no? Not yeah, just... no,
0: I, 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 I turnabout <laughs> is indeed fair play, um, but I don't have to like it. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a gross feeling um, knowing that UCLA is going to go into next year, more than likely still with Chip Kelly. Um, and he's probably going to be in place at least for two years if you go ahead and look at UCLA's schedule next year. Um, Bowling Green, South Alabama, and I think Alabama State featured prominently in the non-conference. Um,
2: oh, yeah. But honestly, like it's, his contracts, like to be, you know, just to be transparent, like his contract's coming up, like he's got to do something. Like there has to be gonna, like the, the, a year or like two or gonna something.
0: Him, they're going to give him a two-year extension, is my guess. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, it's uh, it's it's the kind of thing where like if you if you're UCLA and you could start over right now, or really actually, the smart time would have been a year ago. Um, then you're a a step ahead of USC in your rebuild. The thing is, I I think if you're UCLA now, you have to commit to the idea that Chip Kelly is building towards something still. Um, And I don't know that that's true. I I really don't. I think this was the culmination year and it was eight and four. Um, But I think you have to, if you're UCLA now, it's um, okay. If we're keeping Chip Kelly, then you've got to hire a better defensive coordinator and probably revamp the entire Staff from top to bottom and look at, okay, who's going to be a recruiter and who isn't? Because if anyone learned anything from the USC years, it's that you have to compete on the recruiting trail. You can't just concede. I mean, Carl Durrell essentially conceded for the first uh, three, four years of his time at UCLA. And it was devastating to the program. Um, You have to still compete. You might lose a lot of the recruiting battles, but you have to compete because there are still going to be those guys who want to, you know, zig when other people zag. And you have to be in it with them. You have to still be competing and fighting for them. And UCLA's current strategy is not to compete. Um, It's to hit the transfer portal and, you know, do way too much out-of-state recruiting for three stars. Um, They've got to get back to focusing on Southern California. It sounds counterintuitive with USC probably becoming full-powered again here pretty soon. But you still have to do it. You can't do what Carl Durrell did for the first three years because that will allow USC to get a stable talent advantage that is just far and away above what you have,
2: all right, we got one last game, uh what was formerly called the Civil War. We'll probably still call it that uh, our number four team, Oregon State Beavers, uh, and our number two team, Oregon Ducks,
0: okay, so this one um was. Again, a kind of a weird one, uh, because Oregon I thought had like meaningful control of this one heading into the fourth quarter. But the final score ended up a little bit closer than uh probably what the game was. This was an Oregon comfortable win. They ended up winning 38-29. It was very weird. Um, did you see Oregon State go for two um to get it within nine it towards was, the end of this game? Yeah,
2: like Jonathan Smith is a great coach, and maybe that was a brain fart, but that was a it was definitely
0: the wrong decision like that it, was it, not that was not mathing at a high level I mean it, no. it, it did it functionally didn't matter um but it was just odd to see that I wonder if they I don't know just misapplied the score um but yeah that that gives you the picture it was 38 21 really late in this game Oregon had complete control I thought they rebounded really really well this week um you know because it's a spot that could have been an emotional letdown um, oh yeah seeing their playoff hopes uh, dissipate Uh, But then they put together, I think, one of their better offensive games of the late season. Anthony Brown, I thought, was about as good as he's been all year um, in this one. They ran the ball well. They threw the ball well. And um, defensively, look, it wasn't perfect. Chance Nolan was allowed to do a little bit. But they really shut down this Oregon State rushing attack. And that's been a problem for a lot of teams this year this was one of the better wins I think for Oregon all season. Um, and I I think they should take some solace in that. And I think they're going into this rematch this weekend with maybe some renewed confidence and a little bit of, we need to take it to these guys to show them who's the boss of the league. Um, whether that'll be successful is anyone's guess, but, um, this was, uh, this was Oregon showing its level, um, showing its talent level. Um, and Oregon state's just not there. Um, and, uh, you know, as as nicely schemed as the offense and defense are for Oregon State, especially now they've made a change at defensive coordinator. You can't beat talent, and I think Oregon showed up.
2: They did, and uh, this is the other one I got right. I had Oregon minus seven. Um, It got a little close at the end, but like you said, I think it was more comfortable. To to me, you just watch the game. It looked like Oregon pushed Oregon State around. We know the the Beavers are better at home. Um, The defense doesn't seem to travel that well. I thought maybe it's not that far of a drive. Like maybe the defense would travel to Eugene. It did not. Uh, you know, Oregon, I thought got what it wanted and then, you know, sort of got closer at the end, but I I just felt in the trenches, Oregon bounced back and this is a very physical Oregon state team and they were able to push them around a little bit. And I think this is a good way to sort of like reset everything. If you're a duck fan and get ready for another physical team in Utah, in the PAC 12 championship game won't be in Salt Lake city. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, yeah, I thought this was, this went as well as it could. If, as long as you don't feel down that you kind of give up some late points and made it closer than really what it felt like.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: All right. So we still have, you know, and uh, we still have Utah number one, like we mentioned before, but that is the end of the regular season. Um, Dave, unfortunately dips back under 500. He's 40, 42 and one. I got a couple of games closer. I'm 38, 44 and one. So we still got the championship week and uh full games to pick. So we'll see if it'll come down, what we can, uh, what we can do there um we got to preview the games why don't we let's do the uh the inconsequential one first um the pack 12 title game correct yeah that one because yeah well okay we'll start with this one
0: usc trojans
2: they're on the road taking on california golden bears if you want to do the covid cancel that's why we have
0: this i don't know covid canceled rescheduled um (laughs) we're traveling to deep into the future and then we're gonna go back in time in a second for whatever Reason because this is the true marquee matchup. Uh, USC <laughs> traveling to Berkeley, to a pair of four and seven teams uh, taking on uh, each other in a game after um, the conference championship game. It will be meaningless in many ways. It's on at eight PM. Also, it's going to be a super late night game on FS. Eleven PM Eastern Time is when like, it will kick off. There is so much stupid happening for this game to be played, and it is all because of those juicy, juicy. Moist TV dollars. Um, Cal is favored by four points uh, at home against USC. So Cal looked like big booty uh, this past weekend against UCLA. USC looked uh, better against BYU. Does USC have another good uh, chance this weekend? Hey, let's ask Dante Williams. Oh, right. They had to delay practice for 45 (laughs) minutes this week because not everyone was on the same page when pressed Dante Williams had absolutely no clarification to offer about what that meant it was just this weird obfuscating quote about everyone in the program has to be on the same page for us to practice and get ready for Cal and uh so there's turmoil uh this week in practice I'm sure there's a lot of staff members who are like I'm not being retained by Lincoln Riley why the hell am I caring about this I'm sure there's a lot of players who are like do I fit into Lincoln Riley's uh new system here Um, And the end result is this is going to be a USC team that does not care one iota about this football game. Cal, on the other hand, probably also doesn't care about this football game. But they're at least a meaningful, cohesive team with like players who might want to show well in their final game in a Cal uniform. So I'm going to give it to Cal. Cal minus four. I'm taking them.
2: Yeah. USC was actually opened as like a one and a half point favorite or something. It's now Cal minus four. Um, same thing. Like I was there at the beginning. I don't usually go to the Wednesday practice because we only watch some and then we have to wait around and they would make us leave and then do interviews afterwards. I was there, uh, not, like USC sports information director is retiring and I got him like a cake and some card. I wanted to come see it out. Didn't really expect anything to be happening. And we get there and I'm getting texts on the way in. It's like, Hey, there's like some sort of thing going on with the players. And like, they came out and went back in the locker room then players were coming out like piece by piece. And it's like, well, after the time practice was supposed to start, um, some of the coaches would go into the locker room, come back out of the locker room. Dante Williams came out later. Uh, yeah, we're hearing a lot of weird stuff, but it seemed like he, Dante Williams, we asked him this morning on a zoom call, if, if anything was about not wanting to play the cow game. And he said, no, but I think that's not true. I think that's part of what was going on here. He did go on this long diatribe about mentioning like all these people that work there, you know, there's like, it's the video guys, it's the support staff for recruiting. It's uh, you know, the, the tutors, whatever, like there's a lot of people and essentially all of their jobs are on the line. Like they could be gone uh, after the Saturday's game, which is completely true. I mean, and you don't blame, and there's a lot of good people there, but unfortunately you had horrible, horrible leadership and you had a terrible head coach who assembled like a bad staff and then they tried to piece it together with other people. And um, yeah, most likely everyone's going to be gone. You have to, the culture was so bad. You have to clean it out and you feel bad. And now they have to do this weird game after you've already hired a coach. Um, so it's very weird. I'm going to go with Cal too. It just seems like I I don't think there's going to be a lot of motivation on this USC team. Now I I didn't think they would against BYU and they had a bad week of practice, Dave, going into the BYU game. And somehow they came out and played with a lot of heart and desire, which I don't, I don't know why, but I, I, I have a hard time picturing them do it twice in a row. Agreed. Very weird. Okay. Uh, sorry. There was just a weird, like just weird stuff at practice, which I've done this a million times where you're like, what is going on? Like 2014, I'm getting, I'm going into practice on a Sunday. Cause they played USC played Thursday night, Washington lost. And, uh, I get texts on the way into practice. Sark's not here. Like, Oh, like, so then you're like. Wait, the head coach isn't at practice. And, uh, and, you know, that ended up being the end of his career there, but very weird stuff. They're kind of the same vibe, uh, this one. Okay. uh, Next up, we've got Oregon Ducks. Winners of the Pac 12 North taking on
0: Utah Utes.
2: Winners of the Pac 12 South.
0: What do you got, Dave? All right. So this one uh, a couple weeks ago was 38 7 Utah. Um, If you remember that game, uh it was that big of a blowout. I mean it was twenty-eight nothing at halftime. Um they they had the game controlled. Um they had big special teams plays, they ran the ball extremely well. Um it was a it was a you know, pretty comprehensive beating for Oregon. Now Oregon is coming off a much better win. Um they uh they looked a lot better this past weekend than they did two weeks ago against Utah. Um but that's still, you know, pretty recent history we're talking about. We're not We're not talking about something that's in the distant past. We're talking about something that happened literally two weeks ago. That was last ago. month, David. Yeah. That was November. This, we're yeah, in yeah. December now. We're talking about a, a thing that happened two weeks ago. Okay. Um, now, Utah has, outside of the Arizona game, which was weird, uh, put together four straight dominant wins. Um, again, ignoring the Arizona game. Uh, Oregon's not done that. They've been up and down. But this past weekend, we saw their talent show out. Here's what I think. I think it's going to be a closer game. So it's at 5 p.m. on ABC on Friday. You know, It's going to be in Vegas. Utah's a two and a half point favorite. I think it's going to be a lot closer game. Um, I think Oregon will play a lot better. I just simply think Utah's better right now. Um, So I'm going to take Utah to cover the two and a half. I think they win this by like a touchdown um, and secure the conference title this year.
2: So I need to try to catch up a little bit, but I do I'm I'm kind of going back and forth on this one. Uh, But for some reason, I think Oregon's going to bounce back and uh, get a couple of points. Um, you know, my, we, have, we have now flipped our picks from two weeks ago. We have. Uh, hopefully I get them both right. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Oregon. Give me the, the two and a half points. Um, yeah, whenever
0: you can take a team that lost two weeks ago to the exact same team by 31 points and you're, you know, getting two and a half, why not, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, unless you want to take USC, I want to get one of them different than you. So you yeah, want
0: to, no, I, I don't, <laughs> I do not want to take USC. So yeah, I'm comfortable with this.
2: Okay. Um, I'll take the duckies. I will be there. Uh, press box covering this one. If any, uh, of champions listeners are going to be around and you want to meet up, uh, before the game or something. Uh, yeah. send us an email or whatever. Uh, hit me up. We, uh, that would be, uh, it'd be good. Like I got this meet, um, Some Pac-12 podcast listeners for the USC Arizona State game. If anyone else is going to be out there, the championship one, I'll be there. So let me know. Sounds good. Cool. Okay, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and do questions.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
2: All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions got a lot of questions um, to get to Uh, I think the first email we got some voicemails too, but the first email is uh, Robert, I believe what day Uh,
0: this is on the 24th Wednesday. No, 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 we uh, we recorded early last week. If you remember 20 yeah, it's gonna be Andrew and uh, oh man. Oh, there's yeah, because we recorded on Sunday last week. If you remember. Okay.
2: Holy cow. We got a lot to.
0: Okay. All right. So this is from Andrew. We're going to go quick, guys. It's not going to be long responses. Podcast of Champions question. Uh, Andrew, uh, if I'm allowed to, both for Dave. One, with UCLA trending up and the beatdown of of USC, will Chip Kelly be retained? Do you support that? Longtime listeners know your feelings on Chip, but I want to challenge you a little here. UCLA metrics consensus ranks, they are trending up. And so in 2014, they were 20th, then 15, they were 23rd, then 16, they were 54th, then 17, they were 53rd. That's the downward uh, slope of the Jim Mora era. And then since Chip was hired, they've been 74th, 65th, 34th, and 35th. Um, Yeah, so I think he will be retained. I do not support it. And I think what you're seeing here is a pretty obvious rise to mediocrity. Um, I don't think it takes four years to rebuild the program. I think they're now 35th, and I think this was a culmination year in a lot of ways with a senior quarterback who's likely leaving, a running back who could leave, a tight end who could leave, several, uh, at least two offensive linemen who could leave. Um, I think they're going to be back to rebuilding slightly next year. Um, So if you, and I'm not talking to you, Andrew, but if you, the listener and UCLA fan, are comfortable with a program that rises to the level of 35th in the country um, in a culmination year, then yes, you might want Chip Kelly to be retained. For me, um, I think there's more to be done at UCLA than that. Um, as you can see at the beginning of this list, they were 20th in 2014. Yeah. Um, then number two, us, Washington fans would love for you to revisit the stunning firing of Jimmy Lake at Washington. How did it unravel so fast leading to a dismissal, a shocking 13 games into his tenure as head coach, a link that would normally elicit outrage from the media. We missed you on the show last week. Oh, so this was, this
2: I was, think, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we recorded on the 22nd. So this was, might've been before that. Oh, we didn't, we didn't read this one. Oh, well, yeah. I, I don't think we read it. So
0: we must have missed this one.
2: But yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So anyway.
0: Did. Yeah. The Jimmy Lake firing was bad. Um, it was I mean, it was really good. They should have done it. But it was uh, it was a badass move from Washington uh, to make that decision. Uh, they did it with like kind of the weird thing about him pushing players or whatever. I don't think that was the reason. I think the reason was that he obviously sucked as a coach um, and made horrible decisions and who he hired as assistants. And there wasn't maybe enough oversight of what he was doing as a first-year head coach. Um And they rectified that error. That's exactly what you want out of an athletic director and an athletic department is to say, oh, wow, we screwed up badly and fix it. And they yeah. did. I
2: talked to a source up there, and it just seemed like they were like, oh, my God, this is, you know, they just realized they made a bad hire and they needed to, to fix it. So, yeah, kudos to that. Like, you don't want to just stick with it because it was uh, you know, like, yep, this is not working. He just wasn't doing a good job. So you move on right i think robert in texas is next uh that was after when we recorded no more civil war what do you think of the new uh what do you what do you think the new name for the oregon oregon state game should be my vote is geoduck cup robert from texas the the platypus well, cup is what they, the
0: evergreen state right we, we we've acknowledged that right
2: yes yeah exactly yeah there's a lot uh, of apples too could we be like a apple game or
0: something uh, yeah, like some sort of apple. Like, what do they? They often have like cups or chalices. Oh yeah, yeah, like a like, cup. You call call this the apple cup? Hey. Well, Oregon at one time. Oh, who? How about this one? Oregon at one time was a territory. What if we called this? I don't know. And I'm just spitballing here, but like the territorial game, <laughs> or the cup. territorial bowl, territorial <laughs> cup. I love it. Um. Oh, dude, Corvallis and Eugene are really close to each other, right? Huh. Would you call it maybe like cross town? like the cross. Yeah.
2: Sort of like cross town rivalry, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think that. it's
0: like a, a, you you cross several towns and then it's a rivalry. So I think it's a cross town rivalry. Um, and you know, I, I think every year we've kind of realized this is a big game, right?
2: Oh, so I just,
0: think I think we could probably call this use an article or not. I think this is definitely the big game.
2: I go without the article, just say big game. I think big it's game. it's it's such a big one. Yeah, I think so. I
0: like I it. So. Thanks, Robert. That's okay. That's great. Tough. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of good ideas there. Yes spitball in a little bit all right oh amy which one is amy next
2: yeah i think amy I, there was another one we responded to so i think it's amy
0: all right this is from amy ryan and dave each week i look forward to listening to your podcast i know it's good because i end up agreeing disagreeing screaming and laughing at you and with you every time and you both are very influential as i've signed up for uh sling tv got my ticks to the pac 12 championship game and plan to use my bookie all based on your recommendations i would just remind you that with great power comes great responsibility Ooh. I have a question, a what-if scenario, and a point of clarification for you to respond to. First, my question with a bit of background. Utah has had a very long and rich rivalry with BYU. I remember attending high school in Salt Lake City, Utah, and two of our coaches who were across the hall from each other decked out their classrooms in Utah and BYU colors, respectively. It was a big event known as the Holy War and always played on Rivalry Week. However, when Utah joined the Pac-12, we were told that we could not continue that rivalry because we were supposed to be rivals with Colorado. Um, What? We were told that Utah needs to play the last game of the season with an in-conference team, but what really gets my goat is that there are plenty of examples of teams that do not follow this. How many times has USC played Notre Dame on Rivalry Week? Notre Dame is not an in-conference game, and look at this year: SC is playing BYU during Rivalry Week. How does this make any sense? I got so heated about this, and I'm hoping for a rational answer that actually makes sense. What does it hurt to have Utah playing BYU during Rivalry Week? Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. BS answer. That doesn't make any sense because USC now consistently plays um, a team after UCLA, um, which is not then Rivalry Week. Um, And Stanford also consistently plays Notre Dame every other year um, during what would ostensibly be Rivalry Week. Um, So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's because of trying to fit Notre Dame into the schedule um, and the way that USC particularly faces Notre Dame, but also Stanford. USC plays Notre Dame always in October, I think, on the road. And then they are always playing Notre Dame at home at the end of November.
2: Yeah. I No, Amy, I think this is something that George Klayovkov, he doesn't like some of the weird scheduling things that were happening before. That's something maybe is fixed. If you could have uh, BYU and Notre Dame, I mean, uh, BYU and Utah at the end of the season, I think that'd be great.
0: Yeah. And then next, my what if scenario during your offseason podcast, you started a what if series. I'm a little late, but know that you read all emails and entertain any question scenario, no matter how untimely or ridiculous. LOL. What if Urban Meyer did not leave Utah? Would Utah join the Pac-12 sooner? Would we have joined a different conference? Would Meyer have ended up in the NFL? Uh, He would have stacked national championships at Utah until he was ready to leave, because that's the recipe that he's you know put out there at every single school he's been at. Yeah, just
2: I mean, if he didn't leave right away, he would probably leave the next season or the next season because he'd still have success like he would be very desirable right um yeah he would have stacked national championships though if if he's if you're like he can't leave he has to stay then yeah like if,
0: he, say he stays for a decade and then leaves okay he would, yeah what two or three titles yeah like, I, I,
2: yeah and utah would have joined
0: something like they would oh, yeah, join the sure, sure as hell would have probably the big yeah. 12 at that time though yeah that would make sense um, one point of clarification to my Cali-centric hosts, when you did a segment on Pac-12 mascots, you were both unsure about Utah's mascot. Our mascot is Swoop, a red-tailed hawk. The drum and feather that you commonly see is our logo. You could use a hawk soundbite in addition to the bow and arrow, which I like, too. Thank you both, or I mean, Ryan, for preparing and putting out this podcast. You mentioned there are other podcasts that cover the conference, but none like this one. You're the only one in my book, and I really do hope that I and other listeners can meet up with you guys at the championship game, because you both must attend. Go Utes, Amy. And the PS is something for us to read. Um...
2: Yeah, she I started unf- her own podcast, so that's cool. So yeah, good for
0: sure. her. Yeah. I'm unfor- I unfortunately will not be there, uh, but Ryan will be. Will be carrying the banner of the podcast of champions.
2: Yeah, we don't uh-huh. have a banner. It's metaphorical. We should get a banner. If someone asked about. Uh, I think we have a question about swag too. Um, quick question is a text message. What odds would you give Dorian Thompson Robinson playing for a different college football team next year? Zero. Yeah, I think he's coming. I think he's coming back. Um, uh, you meant throw a voicemail in? Yeah, sure. Okay, here we go. What's
1: going on, guys? Uh, I was going to call you uh, once the whole Lincoln Riley news dropped, uh, but I would have just been screaming and running around. I just think that would be stupid, so <clears throat> I waited a little bit to I calm down. So that's a good question. And uh, so basically my question is that now uh, that with Lincoln Riley at uh, USC, which I'm very happy about, um, how will, we, how will it affect recruiting in the Pac-12? Cause I know there's questions of, oh, will, will Raleigh Brown come back you know, and stay at, in SoCal and will, you know, basically all the, you know, four or whatever big time 2023 20, commits stay, uh, in LA and decommit from Oklahoma. But I want to know, like, how will the Pac-12 recruiting be affected by this? You know, whether, do you think there are a lot of players that committed to Oregon, for instance, that really only committed there because they just don't trust what's going on with, uh, with USCA coach? they've interested in coming back. Maybe there are some guys at other schools that you think were like that. So, you know, now that you has you know, a very good and honestly probably elite head coach, do you think that, you know, that's going to be a clear indicator that, you know, some of these guys that commit to other schools in the Pac-12 would leave? I, my question is about specifically Pac-12 uh, players. So uh, thank you.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, I don't know. Uh, Ryan was talking about the knock-on effect that came from uh, Pete Carroll era where it was – um. You know, maybe it made it seem cooler to stay home and maybe that will play out that way. Um, It's going to be hard. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, I think I think Lincoln Riley and and the USC staff that he puts in place are going to be able to clean up a lot in California. And that might push, you know, Oregon and Washington a little bit out of, um, you know, California's top five star guys that they're probably still going to compete for them, but um, maybe not get them as as frequently. And so they might have to drop down a level a little bit more with who they're recruiting in California because they're still going to need to recruit the state. But they also might push nationally a little bit more. It's going to have ramifications. I don't know if they're going to be positive. I think that's uh, that takes it all a little far for me um, because I think there's a lot of, um, you know, happy talk about the like positive impact for the Pac-12. And I think as a league, as a perception standpoint, there absolutely will be. But on an individual team basis. I don't see why USC recruiting at a much higher level has a positive recruiting effect on any other le- team in the league. Um, well, I, by the
2: way, as this we're recording this, uh, five-star running back Relique Brown just committed to USC. So, <sighs> so it's starting. Um, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> just, he's staying. He said, Mama, I'm staying home. Los Angeles, let's turn it up a little. Fight on. Uh, go Trojans. That's what he tweeted out. Um, so here's the thing. I feel like what's going to happen is you're going to have to like USC, you you didn't need to compete against USC a lot of times because they were just incompetent. Now they're going to be very competent, right? They're going to be very good at what they do. Does that mean this UCLA that was like sort of half-ass recruiting go, you know, we better actually recruit a little bit. Um, you know, Oregon's already stepped it up. They've already been hitting it hard. Now their job's gonna be a lot harder because a lot of these guys are going to end up, uh, you know, going to USC, but, I feel like there's going to be more investment in. Oh crap! We better we better recruit harder because USC is going to be. They're not just going to like recruit with the name. They're actually going to recruit hard. So maybe that helps, Dave. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I don't see it, but yeah, it could happen. Uh.
2: All right. Well, thanks for that
0: voicemail. All right. This uh, is from uh David. Okay. Thought idea. Hi, David Ryan. I enjoy your podcast. was easily the most entertaining impactful podcast, probably because the others are more focused on being informative. Wow. Is that a little dig a big be, <laughs> <pick it. laughs> I've been playing along the season on picking games. I'm practicing for when California wakes up and finally allows sports betting. so far i'm twenty seven and seventeen, but in fairness to you both, I don't try to pick every game. That gave me an idea for next season. Why don't you have a competition to involve your listeners? Folks can enter for free and get ten units each week to invest as they want on picking games and over unders at the end of the season. There would be an overall winner and a winner for each school. Maybe one of your sponsors can donate the merch prizes, and another sponsor can handle the administrative part. Of running the contest. The pod will pick up contact info for listeners, and the listeners will be ever more tightly glued to your show. David, go Bears. I love it. Matthew, you're our man. Figure this out for us. Yeah, we have to figure something out for that, because that's
2: like... That's, that's a lot that's of good. administrative duties. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's some work. But uh, we can figure it out. We got a text that just said, best day ever. I yeah, that was right that, after Lincoln Rally was hired. Okay. And then another text. What's up, fellas? I hope you both had a solid Thanksgiving question for each of you. I would... I think it means like to hear your honest initial verbal reaction to Lincoln Riley hiring at USC. What was the first word or sentence out of your mouths when you heard the news as always, thank you. Keep up the good work fight on TK from orange County.
0: I'm a big lengthy, uh, fuck guy. That's what I say. And that's, that's what I said immediately after I heard that.
2: It was, uh, I mean, it was pretty shocking because you know, we've been covering the search and all that and da- and, uh, Bruce Feldman, you know, friend of the show uh, tweeted something about it, like, watch out for Lincoln Riley, like USC might make a run at him. And I know Bruce doesn't treat tweet for nothing. Um, so it was like, oh, so you're sort of like a little, like, that's interesting, but didn't really think it would happen, but it was just like, holy crap, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it made, it's changed, you know, it's changed my life. Essentially. Like it's changed my business. Like it's things have gone absolutely insane since this happened. And, you know, we're sort of like Dave covers UCLA, I cover USC, like you're sort of at the whim of what goes on with the program you cover.
0: Not sort of, not sort of. Uh, People have this mistaken impression, like I was clarifying this on our message board this week, but like that we are in it for like, quote, clicks. And I'm like, if it was as simple as me posting some salacious crap about UCLA to like get clicks and that's just going to directly translate to like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I would be posting nothing but salacious gossip about UCLA. The reality is the biggest driver of subscriptions, which is the biggest driver of revenue for all these sites, is when the team does well or when they hire a big name coach or when recruiting is popping off big time. That's it. We like in a in a way we are like probably bigger like we need the program to do well people than anyone involved with the program. (laughs) Like they have guaranteed contracts. Our whole thing is when the teams do well, we make more money. Like we are like we are more aligned with like wanting the program to win a lot of games than probably many people involved with the respective programs. Just people need to understand that, that we are so tied to the success of these programs, particularly football, that that is the lens. Like if you're looking for bias in what we're talking about. It's because of that lens. We are laser focused on that because that is when we make the most money.
2: Yeah, it's it's really weird. And I feel like we've been you know doing really good content, at least at uscfootball.com. I feel like we've been doing a good job, but we would post recruiting updates and nobody cared because Clay was the head coach. And it it gets a little demoralizing after a while. Like you you feel like, hey, we do these good podcasts or do whatever, and there's just not the interest. It like completely changed. The floodgates just wide open. Uh, we had our biggest selling day in one day and we, you know, we're all time high for subscriptions, just all on this Lincoln Riley news. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks cause he's going to probably sign a whole bunch of five-star guys like he just did. So completely changing the fortunes of what, you know, at least what, you know, the business part of this is. So, uh, I might be done on the POC Dave. Now I'm, you know, the business is going to do well on the other side. So I might just be done with us. Whatever. <laughs> this is for Dave from, uh, Brennan in Kansas. I'm a USC fan. I just want to say your tweets after the Riley news made me laugh quite a bit. I'm writing uh, you, though, to tell you uh, that as shitty as you may feel, at least you're not a Pac-12 referee. In particular, the one who thought an eight was a zero and threw a flag for delay of game against USC. I guess I have to have a question with this. So how's Chip's recruiting class looking? Brennan.
0: Kansas it's looking like ass Brennan thank you for asking um (laughs) all right next one is uh Alex Grinch had that one great game coaching Washington State's defense and that got him a new job it seems ever since then he's changed to giving 10-yard cushions like your standard UCLA defense can you explain that um I don't know I don't watch a lot of Oklahoma football uh maybe it's because uh, they're playing a bunch of high-powered passing teams and that's sort of what you have to do I don't know
2: yeah it's like I, I know Alex Grinch hasn't been in the Pac-12 for a while, but he did a really good job with Washington State when he was there. Uh, was a year or so at, at Ohio State and been at Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're top three in scoring every year. Like, I don't think the defense is going to be good. There's, people have gone back and forth. I, I think Alex Grinch is a good, you know, defensive coordinator, but uh, there's some USA fans that aren't super happy with it, Dave. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Well, here, I'll play another voicemail first.
3: Hey, what's up guys? It's Perk. Um, you know, I was just wondering this with uh, the recent hire of Lincoln Riley at USC and Brian Kelly at LSU. Um, I assume Ryan probably obviously knows a lot more about the Lincoln Riley hire at USC, but I was wondering the case of, of these two big name hires. Um, to me, as an outsider, they would strike me as guys that would never leave their jobs or, um, seem like pretty safe hires. You know, it seems like nobody really hires an Oklahoma coach away unless they're going to the NFL. So. I was wondering, and with your guys' experience in these, how do you think these deals went down? Do you think it was a matter of the USC and LSU athletic directors saying we're a strong brand and we're going after whoever we want and we're going to make them say no? Or do you think it was more so Lincoln Riley's agent or Brian Kelly's agent kind of tipping off the uh, the athletic directors and saying, hey, if, if you make a certain offer, these guys could be interested? Um, I was just kind of wondering um, how big name hires like this kind of go. If, if you guys know anything, um, regardless, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks guys.
2: Um, I got to talk to Brandon Sosna a little bit and, uh, he, you know, and he had said, i had heard this before when he was at Cincinnati, they really liked Lincoln Riley when they, I think it was when they hired Luke fickle. Um, but it was when Bob Stoops was retiring. They didn't know that, uh, Lincoln Riley would get the, uh, head job at Oklahoma. And Saucenah told us like Lincoln Riley didn't return their call at Cincinnati, so he's someone that they've been looking at for a long time. So it's not like they just said, "Oh, he's a big name." Like that's someone that they've coveted when they were at another school, and there was a different situation, and they still coveted him. I honestly think the LSU thing, because they were they, you know, was it Scott? What's his the athletic director Scott Strickland? I forget his his name, but Woodward. Scott Woodward, yeah, uh, he's the guy that took you know Chris Peterson away from Boise at Washington. Um, you know it got the uh when he was at texas a and m um brought in why my blanket on his name, the national championship winning coach jimbo fisher jimbo fisher i oh, sorry a lot of words today um and they thought he'd go big game hunting again, and it, i think it's i think that was more of a a later in the process thing where the u s c staff really liked riley from from years ago. I don't know if that was the case with l s u it just seemed like they needed to make a big splash. So who else could we get a big splash with? And they went after, um, you know, Brian Kelly. That's just my thoughts. I don't know if you have any thoughts, Dave.
0: Yeah, I think with Kelly, it was more of a uh, a somewhat traditional situation where Kelly had made, um, you know, there were off-season reports and there was constant noise that USC was looking at him, which USC probably wasn't. Um, But so where's that noise coming from? I think there was noise that he was unhappy. And if you were good at reading the tea leaves, you could kind of get that. Um, And it was probably more open than you would expect a guy who's been at a, you know, an elite-ish institution for 12 years who has, um, you know, a couple of playoff runs in him. Um, I think that was maybe what stood out to LSU is that, okay this guy's got some noise coming out about him. His agent is probably putting some of that stuff out to various reporters. So maybe we take a look at him. Um, That's the one that I think is more risky, the hire for LSU. I don't know. Uh, Brian Kelly took a, I mean, he's, he's a good coach. I think he's done some good work at Notre Dame. I don't know if he's a fit at LSU. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does recruiting in the rough and tumble SEC. Um, Notre Dame recruits sort of differently. Um, LSU is, you're going to have to get, you know, nose deep in some muck to do the recruiting properly there. And I don't know if he has it in him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's going to be more of an interesting one for me. Um, but yeah, both of them are pretty, it's kind of a rare situation for both. And I think a big part of it, if we're just talking about the reality of it, it's the dollars being thrown around. I mean, Lincoln Riley, did we ever get an official number on that one, Ryan?
2: No, there was a, some guy, some guy on Twitter just like made up some numbers and. Yeah, said and it, that,
0: but it's probably north of 10 million. Like, yeah, I, I don't would know say. what it is, but it's probably north of 10 million. Brian Kelly's getting around 10 million. It sounds like uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, that Mel Tucker extension at Michigan state really set the market. And if you were not prepared to immediately offer that sort of extension to your head coach, uh, yep, they're, they're out. Cause yeah. that's real. That's those are, those are real insane dollars. Those are making you a, not just a rich man, like $10 million in LA. People always talk about, Oh, cost of living's more in LA. So you've got to really want it. Yeah. You know what? $10 million makes you super wealthy here too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's going to be fine. He'll be fine. Uh, okay. That was per, that was
2: perk, right? Uh, this is effects of the Riley hire from Eric. Uh, Hey Ryan and Dave, I've been hearing about the Lincoln Riley hire at USC. And as a Colorado fan, I'm wondering how this will impact my team. I just want the buffs to get to the level of Washington state or Arizona state, meaning regularly going seven and five or eight and four and making a bowl. Will this have any effect on that? Should I be happy about more money for, uh, from more lucrative television deals as a result of USC's enhanced profile, just upset that we will never, ever beat usc should i care at all also are there any pac-12 teams other than the obvious ucla who could particularly be affected by this thanks guys
0: okay so for for the people who are for the programs that are like the back half of the pac-12 and i'm not like disparaging here I, i actually think this will largely have a positive effect because of the increased money Um, like there should be more playoff runs in the pac 12s future, and that will mean more money, um, and maybe a better TV deal if there's a resurgent USC, like those things will have real impacts on the back half of the league. And and again, not disparaging, this was always going to be more than likely a loss for your, for your program, right? You were more than likely going to lose to USC and you're not usually competing against USC for recruits. So there's a lot of things that are negatives for the top tier of the league that are not going to be negatives for you, and there's a lot of positives from a money standpoint. For the top yeah. tier of the league and for UCLA, um, You know, I'm not going to say they're in the top tier, but for Oregon, Washington, um, ASU to an extent, uh, this is, I-, I think, going to be a net negative for, the, for them uh, because of what USC, um, when it's full powered can do in recruiting. They're going to pull all those guys that, you know, Oregon and Washington especially have been able to pull out of California. It's going to be harder and harder to beat USC for them. Um, so I think that's a, an important factor. It's going to be harder to simply beat USC on the field, um, which is another important factor. Um, so I think it's a net negative for them. And for UCLA, I think it's obviously a huge negative um, because they need to recruit LA too at a high level. Um, Chip Kelly has largely um, eschewed that, but they need to. Um, and if this prevents them even further from doing so, that's going to be devastating for the program. And it will also more than likely lead to, I mean, UCLA, I would say since Jim Morris started in 2012, has more or less held its own in the rivalry. But they needed to use this period to stack up some wins because now going into the Lincoln-Riley era, unless they really upgrade, it's going to be, again, a period of USC dominance, which is just not great to watch. Yeah, and I would say um to Eric, uh, let me look it up real quick. Uh this year
2: USC was awful and uh beat Colorado at home on the road 37-14. So I don't think, you know, this was a year you could have beat USC. So I yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to have that much effect uh, on but like I said like Dave said I think there will be overall a positive effect.
0: All right, let's try to go rapid fire through these last things. Okay. Cuz we're, we're dragging. All right, this is from Paul Webfoot. Hello, champions. This is champions coaching carousel chaos clairvoyance. I have a prediction for the wild ride that has been the coaching carousel over the last few days. But first, a joke. What's the difference between Herm Edwards and the Invisible Man? I've got a better chance of seeing the Invisible Man at a playoff game. Whew. Anyways, my official predictions. Cristobal goes to Miami. Oregon hires Urban Meyer, who has a health problem due to the Jacksonville climate and meth gators. Saban decides he wants to compete with Meyer and uh, Riley, so he convinces ASU to fire Herm Edwards and hire him instead. UCLA, faced with keeping Kelly against Meyer, Saban and Riley, dissolves their football program and officially becomes a basketball school. (laughs) Oklahoma tries to get tricky and hires Jimmy Lake and Nick Rolovich to be co-head coaches and also fill their respective coordinator roles. It doesn't end well. Luke Fickle goes to Notre Dame for the mega Lowells. And Brent Venables, who is pissed that Clemson didn't make him head coach, leads Cincinnati to a natty over Georgia because Curry Smart took the Jaguars job. Thoughts? I think that's exactly how it'll play out, obviously, except for Marcus Freeman being hired at uh, Notre Dame. But maybe Luke Vickle goes to coach uh, Duke, and then Brent Venables leads Cincinnati to natty over Georgia. Paul, well, I like think he nailed it.
2: Yeah, he, he got that one. Um, let me do a voicemail. Hey, David and Ryan. Hope you guys are doing well. This is
3: Todd from Orlando here. So I just saw that USD hired Lincoln Riley. Just wanted to get your thoughts on them hiring Mike Riley, Lincoln's older brother, as an
1: assistant this upcoming season. Just wanted to get your thoughts. Thanks, guys. Bye.
2: I don't think they're related.
0: Pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: they tried to hire him before.
0: It's back to 2001. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, what, what do we got next? I'll do the Hillary one. Waltzian okay. neorealism. Probably some obscure reference. I'm not going to look up. Back in 2015, <laughs> I asked you boys whether USC and UCLA were in a zero-sum relationship regarding recruits from Southern California. Your response was that there was so much talent being produced in the area that it can fill out not just those teams, but the entire conference of tactical quality players. That is high three stars and low four stars and that the only real competition is for the dozen or so top end recruits. One, do you still feel the same way today? No. No, I don't. I don't even
2: remember saying that, but I best Um, – he's he's referencing something we said six years ago, which is great.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't. I I think there's still enough talent here to um, certainly uh, fill out parts of the rosters for basically every team in the league, but not enough to fill them out with, like, uh, Pac-12 quality players. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, two, my read of the effects to the recruiting landscape of Lincoln Rally to USC is that it's anti parity move that will flatten the middle class of the Pac-12. With Clay Helton and Chip Kelly in place, schools like ASU, Cal, and Washington have been picking up some top-end LA blue chips who would have stayed home with competent recruiters in town. I think that will now come to an end, and those mid-tier recruiting powers will just wind up with mid-tier Southern California talent supplemented with their own locals. What do you think about that theory? Yeah, it's kind of what I was saying. Like, it's going to yeah. be hard, especially for the middle-tier powers. And then three, I also think that Riley to USC doesn't change the picture much for UCLA or Oregon. UCLA because chip going to chip, and Oregon because, A, the Ducks aren't restricted to the Pac-12 footprint, and, B, they've been pulling top-end talent against Dante Williams for a couple cycles, and there's room for two seats at the table for the LA Blue Chips. That is to say, this will stabilize the Pac-12 into bipolarity rather than unipolarity, as some USC fans dream, or multipolarity, as Larry Scott wanted. Thoughts? Yeah, I, th- it's I think it's...
2: Yeah, I think the Ducks are going to, like... The, the Ducks getting the five stars out of L.A. that USC wants; those days are over. I don't care if Dante Williams, or whatever. This is a whole different story. So, yeah, yeah I, I
0: don't. I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to Oregon if uh, if USC is full powered. Now, I don't yeah. think it completely like destroys Oregon recruiting by any means, but no, they, they. I think they will have to transition to going a little bit more national, going a little bit more into Texas, going a little bit more into Florida. I think Oregon has that capability. I think they can be a national power in that respect. But I think it's going to be harder and harder to pick out, um, you know, five stars to get from the uh, especially from the L.A. area.
2: Yeah. Like D. Thomas was sort of like an exception to the rule. The rule lately has been the, the five stars going to Oregon. Like it's it, that's been the rule. It's going to go back to the exception. It's not like Oregon can't get a five star out of L.A., but it's going to be more rare. It's not going to be like, oh, it's expected to happen every
0: year like that's yeah. not. The yeah. biggest impact is probably for just nationally. Um, there's going to be fewer guys from LA area going to Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, you know, that's, that's not going to happen at anywhere near the rate it was.
2: Yeah. Those, those programs know the the smorgasbord, the the free lunch of recruiting five-star talent from Southern California is most likely over. So yeah. Frank and Sacramento, the one answer to two coaching change questions, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, both left their positions as successful programs where they realized winning the national championship was impossible. They both moved to programs where they believe winning the national championship is possible.
0: Fart noise. That's not why they left. Yeah. I mean, it's a big I, part of it. I think they improved their chances, but they both could have won national championships at their previous spots because both of those programs have been able to make the playoff. That's all you really need. Once you get a once you get your foot in the door, you can luck can happen. And Oklahoma yeah. was really close.
1: Like, they, were they were super
0: not... close.
2: Like yeah, overtime, so,
0: yeah. No, you, you want to know why they left? You want to know why they left, Frank? Because they got a shitload of money. They yeah. got a shitload of money and a slightly better chance of winning. That's really what it was.
2: Yeah, and it, you know, it's going to be harder at Oklahoma when you're in the SEC. Um you're going from now you're like you were the best or second best job in the Big 12 to being like the fourth best job in the SEC. You're the number one job in the in the Pac-12. So there's also there's some advantages doing that.
0: Yep. Uh, All right. This is from uh, somebody. Uh, Follow up question for Dave. I don't know what the initial question was. How does Deshaun Foster not get more recognition for the work he's done with their running backs? Literally every year since Trip took over, his backs have overperformed their expectations. Pay that man his money. Uh, I think he gets some recognition. He should probably get more money. But I would say Chip Kelly, I don't remember the last year he had where he didn't have a good rushing attack. Uh, may have been that one year with the Niners. But otherwise, he devises a good rushing attack. I think it's um, not entirely running back independent, but I think he I think his offense makes running backs look good.
2: All right. Uh, Danny says, this may be more of a Dave question, but Ryan, I'd like to get your thoughts as well. With the USC hire of Lincoln Riley, I've been thinking – a lot about what this means for the state of UCLA football. It seems that like UCLA missed a major window of opportunity with USC being down the last decade, specifically not being able to take advantage of the LA recruiting base and helping themselves even win one conference title. I do think Chip's hire was the right move at the time. His unwillingness to recruit has not helped at all. It sucks that it turned out to be so bad in hindsight. Ryan's factoid of Chip winning 32 games in a row would mean he would only tie Clay Helton's USC coaching record. Absolutely blew my mind. Looking back, is there anything UCLA could have done differently? Is the Riley hire creating more of a sense of urgency amongst UCLA fan base or administration? And what do you both think UCLA needs to do as soon as possible to remain competitive against USC and the rest of the Pac-12? Love
0: the podcast and thanks from Danny. Um, They could have fired Chip last year (laughs) after last season. Um, But otherwise, no. I mean, they kind of just... You know, they 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 thought they made the right hire and then they tried to commit to it. And now uh, they're in a uh, no man's land where firing them after eight and four might feel untenable to certain people in the UCLA administration or in their booster base. But also you're faced with, uh, you know, again, the fully operational Death Star. So what do you do? And um, I think it's uh, really, 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 really bad timing for UCLA.
2: I think immediately though, I mean, you have to get on the recruiting trail. You have to recruit and compete, um, getting a great defensive coordinator that maybe is an ace, um, you know, recruiter as well would be awesome. You can do stuff like that. I don't know, but you got to try to compete. You know, Dante Williams probably not going to be on the staff. Uh, maybe hire him. I don't know. I mean, whatever you do to like, I know Chip Kelly's not big into the local recruiting stuff but you got to get there somehow. So maybe it's hiring a couple of assistants that can help you do that. I don't know what you think, Dave, but that would help.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Um, Uh, this is from Scott. Hey, Ryan and Dave, looking back on the season, I think we should all revel in what was clearly meant to be Larry Scott's masterpiece. The season of parody, mediocrity, and no real winners, just bad punts and worse refs. Not the season the conference wanted, but the season we deserved. My questions. Do you think the conference got stronger, weaker, or stayed the same with the new coaching hires? Do you think there will be any more significant changes or does David Shaw live to fight another day? I'm not sure what to think of the Dickert hire and would love your... Okay. So, um... Stronger. It got stronger, obviously. And, yeah. uh, David Schaub more than likely lives to fight another day. I'm not not sure what to think of the Dickert hire and would love your insightful feedback. I wish Wazoo had swung for the fences. Instead, they chose to bunt and go with the safe, underwhelming hire. His very short time at head coach was impressive, but I sincerely question whether he can actually lead a program like Wazoo and be successful. It feels very short-sighted to me. What do you think? Who wins the conference next year? Thank you and keep up the good work. I actually really like the Dickert hire. Yeah. Uh, I think he's uh, uh, potentially a good defensive coordinator. I'm interested in the idea of a defensive guy being the head coach. And also, I don't think they're spending a ton of money to make it happen. So if it doesn't work out in three years, then you can fire him.
2: I like Pat Chung as an athletic director. I think he's really smart. Um, They handled this, you know, Rolovich stuff as well as you could under the circumstances. And um, sometimes you just see something in place. You see a guy... Taking over the program, he's done a really good job there. You know, just his short time, and it's not just all oh, the players like him or whatever. Like you see how he's running the program, and you're like, I could go out and find someone I hope would run the program like that, or I got a guy right here, so I I don't have an issue with this. I I think sometimes people get lazy and just promote from within and just go with that, but I feel like they genuinely think he's going to be good, so I I like the hire. Cool. Uh, let's go. This is a text message from Jay in New York. What happens to Jackson Dart, considering Lincoln Riley, the five-star quarterbacks coming in, Oklahoma's quarterback potentially coming in, and the F the Mormon chance? Okay, if he leaves, is there another candidate in the Pac-12? ASU maybe. Um, so yeah, Jackson Dart could potentially. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover on the roster, like a lot. Uh, they could bring in Caleb Williams, the the freshman quarterback that was starting for Oklahoma towards a you know later part of the season um the the malachi nelson guy they got a five-star quarterback commit but he's 2023 so that's not but for dart dart will most likely be the starter unless they bring in caleb williams would be my guess
0: yeah that sounds right um and uh it'll be interesting i mean they're also going to recruit some five-star dudes so they're going to have a lot of talent they can make choices jackson dart was the best option on this roster but there's a very good chance he won't be the best option on the next year's roster
2: yeah, they'll they'll be the roster's going to look very different. So we'll have to see what what happens. It's going to depend on the staff, which players leave, all that kind of stuff. So any I think anyone could be a portal guy. Like it's just
0: that's going to happen. This is one for you. Hey Ryan, are you going to be in Vegas for the game and if so, are you going to be giving away swag? I thought you were giving away keychains or something like that at USC games earlier this year.
2: Yeah, we had uh, a whole bunch of uh, jockey keychains of different colors and it was at, I think it was the USC Oregon State game and we we gave them away. So uh I don't have any more of those. We won't have any swag, but I will be there. Hope you know I'll tweet it out, too, so hopefully we can meet some of you guys.
0: Cool. I'll read this one because that one was short. Okay. Uh, this is from Keon in the Bay Area. Riley to USC is bad for the podcast. Boys, the worst side effect of USC hiring a guy with two first names is that it will mean the end of this beloved podcast as we know it. Consider, this podcast has never seen a good UCLA or USC football program, the two schools that you guys cover. I would argue that the underachievement and objective hilarity of the two L.A. football programs has been essential to the success of this podcast. It prevents the two of you from being homers and allows you to flourish in the roles you do best, absolutely mocking and crucifying the schools you cover. Nobody wants to hear Ryan talk favorably about USC. Go ahead. Picture that in your head. Can you hear it? Me neither. <laughs> this podcast does not need a good USC. It needs a 3-9 and nine butt Stanford team crushing USC in week two and an interim USC coach kicking a field goal down 14 while UCLA is gaining 10 yards per play. <laughs> This podcast thrives on mediocrity and incompetence And it is essential that all the schools But especially UCLA and USC Continue to prove that mediocrity and incompetence Pour one out for the POC It's been real, Keon in the Bay Area P.S. I intentionally did not factor in Dave being a UCLA basketball homer In the last two years Because as Ryan reminds us every January This is not a basketball podcast So one thing thing I'll say, just as solace Okay, yes There's a 90% chance this podcast becomes insufferable I will admit (laughs) Uh, It won't be my fault It'll be his, but there's a 90% chance, but the 10% chance it doesn't involves, involves Lincoln Riley failing at USC. And do you, the listener have any idea how funny that will be? Like, do you have any idea how funny this podcast will be? If Lincoln Riley sucks at USC, it'll be amazing. It'll be glorious. And I'd say there's like a, you know, a 10% chance that happens. It's going to be awesome. Nice. Stick around.
2: Yeah, that's a 10%. Uh, oh, sorry, one sec. I was about to read this text message. I just wanted to check Twitter and make sure USC didn't get another five star commit in the last I'll five minutes. You. So
0: will
1: be dead.
2: Uh, text message How great would it be for Chris Ball to leave for Miami only to have a desperate Oregon jettison any vestiges of integrity and throw Phil Knight's gold plated cod piece at Urban Meyer to secure him as the next coach? Packed off chaos in a positive direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think Oregon's maybe the one program in the league, like that could just well no, not the one. The one that could make it happen that would be willing to do it. Um because USC was not going to be willing to do it. UCLA would not be willing to do it, uh Washington would not be willing to do it, but Oregon Oregon's desperate to win. Isn't he they,
2: already making like over ten million a year? Like
0: what is what is yeah, what hey, he wants to the part of staying in Jacksonville? Come on, get out of there. You think like they've actually won a couple games, right? I don't know. Oh, whatever. Yeah, no, he'll he'll have a nervous breakdown if he has to stay there and lose eight games a year. Yeah. All right, uh, this is from Peter in Vancouver. The Eleven Dwarfs. uh, Gentlemen, I'm sure that you guys remember the Pac-10 being referred to a while as USC and the Nine Dwarfs. Now that USC has hired a coach that should put them in the playoff discussion for a while, I've been thinking about what this means for the rest of the schools in the Pac-12. First, obviously teams won't be thinking they can just come into the Coliseum and have their way with the Trojans the way the Beavers, Cardinal, Utes, and Bruins did this year, and the other teams in the South are probably thinking their path to the Pac-12 title game just got harder. And Cal and Stanford just had their schedules get harder as well. Beyond that, some fans may be thinking that USC being better will help raise the level for the rest of the conference. But as I pointed out above, that didn't happen before when USC was the dominant team in the conference. Given the mediocre play in the Pac-12s this year, what makes you think that USC won't just go back to being the 800-pound gorilla in the conference and leave the rest of the teams fighting for relevance? Peter yeah. in Vancouver. That's the I point think, I've been making, Pete.
2: Yeah, I think Oregon's the key, though, because Oregon's there or close, right? And so just, Yeah, they've got to maintain a level. You got to stay good. Um, and UCLA is on the rise. You know, like, like teams like Oregon State on the rise. Utah being as good as they are. Don't um, don't, don't don't you dare say that about UCLA,
0: okay? What? They're, you just said UCLA is on the rise.
2: I mean, eight and four. Like, huge turnaround. Lock U, them UCLA
0: up. has reached cruising altitude.
2: <laughs> on the rise. I mean, this guys like, how many games did they win last
0: year, Dave? They haven't won any conf-
2: out-of-conference <sighs> games. They Again, I don't
0: want to I, I don't want to reiterate a threat from just a couple of minutes ago, <laughs> but understand that it's pending. <laughs> it's just, you know, they should be undefeated next year, I would think. So fight you. Um. Yeah, it is, I, there's a there's an argument that it, it won't have that huge of an effect. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're I don't think it has this. I think people are talking about this like rising tide raises all boats thing that I just don't see as uh, really possible. Um, so I I, I mean, I, I guess I don't really see it as probable. I guess it is possible. But um, I think that involves a lot of soft factors that aren't really in evidence for me. Um, I think it's going to have a negative effect on talent acquisition for a lot of the teams in the league and a, maybe a positive overall impact monetarily and for the perception of the league as a whole nationally. Um, but yeah, I don't I, I don't see why this makes uh asu better i don't see why it makes washington better that that doesn't pass muster for me
2: i think it's gonna be tough on asu i mean washington hopefully going in a better direction you know the jake hayner era returns you know they'll be good they need a jake at
0: quarterback yeah kalen DeBoer might make washington better um but that's kind of independent of um usc
2: but like that that's why you just don't it won't be the 11 dwarves right you want it you want washington to be like legit good you know and UCLA be legit. Good. and Oregon, you know, be legit contender. It's, you know, it would help. Oregon was number three. What in the, 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 one of the rankings, college football rankings, like if USC was nine, you know, or something like that helps Oregon, you know, that,
0: well, and remember during the Pete Carroll era, like who the coaches were in the PAC 12 or PAC 10 at that time, like you had Carl Durrell at UCLA, you had, what was it? Ty Willingham and Keith Gilbertson at Washington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bilotti, but like the thing was, Oregon was okay. Oregon held its own during that period. Like Dennis Dixon was 2007, which was just like just a hair over the peak of the Pete Carroll era. But it was still right there. Um, like Oregon was good during that period. They weren't bad. Um, like there were still some good things happening in the league, but like it was a lot of bad coaching too.
2: Yeah, the Tedford stuff, he was, he was good with like, he was probably the coach that gave Carroll the most fits
0: and stuff. Yeah, and but he Walt, Walt Harris at Stanford.
2: Yeah, that wasn't so good. Yeah. Uh, recruiting, uh, also from Peter from Vancouver. Uh, gentlemen, some of the other schools in the Pac-12, especially Oregon, have taken advantage of Clay Helton and Chip Kelly's relatively poor recruiting over the last few years. Does Lincoln Riley at USC mean that Oregon will have a tougher time recruiting the West Coast? Also, besides USC, how does any Pac-12 team benefit from an
0: improved recruiting by USC? So we kind of
2: went over this a bunch, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, but thanks, Peter. And this is from Jesse. Last question. Hire the coach to bring the players. Hello there, my dear podcasters. The question for Dave and the other guy whose name I can't remember because my brain can only flash Lincoln Riley now when I think of USC. Ugh, the horror. Ryan, that's right. So my question is, now that the transfer portal is basically college football's free agency, what's to stop coaches from telling, taking their players with them and paying them something to do so? If you hire Coach X, then you get him and player A, B, and C to come with. Nothing. Nothing is stopping that. You can't really pay the players directly, but... Yeah, you yeah, can. yeah. Yes, you can. Well, you set you up could. like some slush fund and then you call it something and then they're going to market whatever these players and put them on one billboard and they'll pay them three million dollars to do it. It's, yeah, they they can pay them. OK. Uh, as much as I didn't like the quote, sit out a year transfer polity, it kept up that hurdle for coaches taking their players with them. Will universities now expect players to come with coaches? And will the price tag only continue to go up with coaches, some of that money may land back with players, which in a way I'm actually for. So perhaps the real loser here is all those poor local car dealerships. They'll get priced out of the sponsorship market before it ever really took hold. It's totally unfair since the real reason I watched college football was to gather information about which local dealership I could be shopping at next. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse.
2: Thanks, Jesse. Um, I, I think you're hiring the coach for the coach. Like I, this isn't like in college basketball, like you could hire an assistant coach because his son is going to play like, you know, the Mobley brothers, like, Hey, you know, like, but the, I, I don't, I think it's going to be much less, of something like that would happen uh, in college football. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, dude, that was a basketball thing. Crap. I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I know. You We're you, not a basketball. You ended on a down note, man. I know. USC's undefeated in basketball, too. Is UCLA still is, right? Like they're no, they people. lost to uh, Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, the Gonzaga one. But still, I mean, that's they lost to like, the number one team. Uh, we won't get into more Pac-12 basketball. That'll be the extent of it probably for the whole year. Unless, you know, UCLA goes on some run, and David's got to go rant about it and stuff. But I like those. Those are fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We got to wrap it up. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, Crazy stuff. And I hope they see some of the guys out there at the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. I can't wait to see Allegiant Stadium, David. It should be fun. Tons of fun. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. That's David. I'm Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.
1: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen.